But Vision Sunday isn't about a new vision every year. We need to come with a new story. It isn't that at all. It is a reminding ourselves of the vision and a clarifying what that mission looks like. And so we can't bring certainty in these times. There's very little certainty in anything. But we can bring clarity. And so as we navigate these times, and I believe businesses should do it, marriages should do it, parents should gather and have visions for their lives and, and put that down in paper and bring some clarity to it. Last week, Rob Berta came and spoke to us from a nation of Doha where there has been challenge and trial. Much of what we faced not being able to be in buildings, they've been facing for years. But there's been a certainty, a clarity of vision, a single-mindedness about the gospel that God has called us to proclaim and declare at this time. So I was so encouraged. If you didn't watch it last week, please don't jump online and watch it. But I want to share a story. Maybe you know the story, maybe you don't. It's a new one. I know you think, what's new that Gabriel hasn't told? I know. But I got a new one, and I've been holding it for a while. So it starts like this. There was a man named Easy Eddie. No, he's not your table view mechanic. He was a man who was a fine lawyer in the 1920s in the city of Chicago. And he was so good at his job, he got pulled in by the Capone family. Maybe you've heard of them. And he became their specialist. He was the one who kept them out of the jail. He kept their books hidden. He covered up all the problems. He was so good at it that he became part of the family. He was business partners with Al Capone keeping him out of jail year after year, time after time, challenge after challenge. And he got so good at it, he became famous for it. And the challenge was he had money, he had wealth, he had an estate in the middle of Chicago, but he didn't have a good name. And so in his life, he went through challenge, he got divorced, he had two daughters and a son, and they began to grow up. And as his kids grew up, he got a crisis of conscience. And he realized, I've got to flip the scripture somehow, otherwise my kids have got nothing to step into. There's no story for them. And his young son wanted to step into things and he needed, he realized there was nothing he could give his kids but some of the wealth and some of the, the fame that had come with his infamous position. So he made a radical decision and he took the Capone books to the IRS. Sure. That put Al Capone in jail. Mm. That took down and gave freedom to a city. That single decision pulled him into a new story, but it also cost him his life mm. as he was gunned down in his car not a year later. I want to jump to another story. If you've traveled to the city of Chicago, you will know O'Hare Airport. Anyone been there? Been to O'Hare Airport? It's a beautiful airport. Never known the story, I just like the airport. But it's named after a man named Butch O'Hare. And Butch O'Hare was this young man who in the Second World War, he's in the world first, Second World War, he's navigating, fighting, he becomes an Air Force pilot. And they're out on a flight, they take off, off these... Um, Cruise ships, not these cruise ships, that's the wrong, you don't take off a fighter pilot off a cruise ship, do you? No. And yes, that one, a carrier. And so there are these fleets of carriers and they're in the middle of the ocean and as they get up to altitude, he realizes his plane wasn't refilled. That's a problem if you're flying over the Atlantic. So his captain says, you've got to turn around, you've got to go back. And as he's making his way back, he comes through the clouds and he stumbles onto nine enemy bombers that are heading directly for their fleet. There's no way the rest of the planes can get back. He's hardly got any fuel. He's gunned up. There's the unsuspecting waiting fleet who are about to be bombed, and he makes a critical decision. He's going to take on this enemy fleet. So he starts diving into them. He shoots three of them down with his ammo, and then he runs out of ammunition. So he decides what he's going to do. He's going to fly into them and clip their wings with the plane, with his plane, and clip their wings. 
He takes another two planes down, so they divert, they change their plans, and they fly home, and he limps back to the fleet. He lands on the carrier, and they get all this footage off the wing of his plane that had a camera underneath. It's an incredible story, and based on that, he becomes a hero. The, the airport that is built in Chicago gets named after Butch O'Hare, and he is this man with an incredible name, statues to him, stories told about him, and the first Air Force man to win a Medal of Honor in the Navy. But where's the kicker here? Easy Eddie, Edward O'Hare, was the father of Butch O'Hare. And the only way that Butch O'Hare got into the Air Force was through a letter of recommendation from a governor that would not be given unless his father came forward and submitted and came clean and flipped the script on the Capone family. And that one action of his father didn't just save and give his family a better name and his son an opportunity. It saved a fleet of soldiers. Hundreds of soldiers by one action and the courage to walk into something new and different. Yes, he lost his life. Yes, there was cost in the journey. Yes, there were challenges and trials in all of it. But lives were saved. We said at the start of this pandemic that ships would run aground. Acts 27. But not a soul would be lost. That has been our prayer since day one. It was the very first sermon I preached during the pandemic. I actually preached it three times because Jerry didn't press record. It's another story for another day. But we believe it, we trust in it. And and as I enter into today and bring some maybe clarity around our mission and our vision, I leave that story with you because when I heard it, I was overwhelmed. I realized that big decisions need to be made. In times like this, good people need to make big decisions. Decisions for truth, decisions for life, generational decisions that will bring blessing to generation upon generation rather than shrinking back and living behind the safety of what we know, stepping into the unknown, taking the ground that needs to be taken in these times. That is the mission. That is the vision of the local church in these moments. How much more is the potential of your life, your marriage, your story, your business, your desires? I love that story, but I'm reminded that we live in a great story. A man named Mark Bailey came on Wednesday night and spoke to us at Wednesday night church. And he said, sometimes the challenge is we don't see the miracles that happen right in front of us. Yeah. Life changes, you're a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. You're a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. The grace upon your lives and the story that God has upon us, you're a miracle. We're reminded. I want to read something that I read last year. I wrote it last year, and maybe I'll read it every Vision Sunday. I believe in the power of the local church, not called to follow, but to lead. Not called to be influenced, but to influence. Not called, not set apart to hide, but to shine for His glory. Not called to be a church on a block, but a city on a hill. Not boring in its ventures, but risk-taking in the goodness of their God. Not impotent slaves waiting for their master's return, but empowered sons and daughters taking ground for His kingdom. The church is awesome. She has never been more challenged, but she has also never been more full of potential. The vision for and of the local church is never any man's. Then it, is not of this world, then it is of this world, and it will always lack the power of heaven's army behind her. God is with us, the power of the local church, the power of the gathering. And we've done year after year, we come to these moments, and something we put in, we said we're going to pioneer again, and we planted Milnerton five years ago. I can't believe it. God has moved. We, we released Wally and Shirley Gersmeyer to apostolic ministry, still supporting them, still seeing them thrive and influence. And God has kept speaking to us and calling us to amazing things. And this year, we changed the script again. Why? Because we said that's the kind of year it was going to be. Normally, we would announce our Vision Sunday at Vision Sunday, but we've been preaching it for four weeks. Yeah. 
flip the script. Take the script that is written. Take the stories that are being told. Take the, the futures that people are painting and the negativity of our land and say, God, would you come and flip the script because that's what you do. And so we've been preaching from the book of Acts, reminded that in the midst of a tough year, the book of Acts is set and starts in this tough situation. At the end of the Gospels, we see a picture of the disciples hiding out behind closed doors, knowing that they had the great gospel, knowing that Jesus had arisen, but, but not sure of what the future held. And they're hiding out behind closed doors. They, they, they actually didn't know the details. And Jesus comes in, in classic Hollywood style. He appears, I'm here. Encourage starts to come back into that same group of people. Just skip a few chapters forward to Acts 17. And the testimony of the church, the testimony of the disciples, as they were these men who have turned the world upside down. Who? Which men? No, the people who are hiding out behind little doors, full of fear, full of challenge, full of trials, not sure of what the next step was. Remind us from Book of Acts that Jesus continuously, ongoingly flipped the script. I love Acts 3. He flipped the script and healed a crippled man. No one had done that. No one had done that. All the powers of this earth couldn't do that. He flipped the script. Saul goes on a journey, becomes Paul, encounters God and gets healed. And a man named Ananias comes to the story, lays hands on a persecutor of the church. Flipping the script. We see prisoners set free. We see the gospel begin to go. Cyprus, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Syria, Jerusalem, Derby, Macedonia, Philippi, great names for your kids, but great places for the gospel to go. And we're reminded that the book of Acts is not this prescription for the local church. I don't need to go to Derby or Lystra. I don't need to go there. I need to go where God's got for me to go. You need to go where God's got for you to go. Why? Because the gospel's got to go. And our vision 2021 isn't anything new. It's still on the wall. It's still the same. It's not changed. Why? Because God has spoken and called us clearly to a story that makes it easy for us to say, yes, yes, we'll do that. Why? Because it'll reach people. Yes, we'll go online. Not because Gabe looks good on camera, although he does. Does. He told me. It's one of the best looking redheads he knows. That's what he told me. I'm quoting him. But we went online and we tried to reach the world. Why? Because the gospel says that's what we should do. With the gospel. Rise up, release wide. So how will we flip the script in 2021? And just some simple encouragements this morning. What does it mean again to reach far? Maybe it's this thing. Like, what, what do you mean, Mark? What do you mean? Well, I mean to reach those who are far from God. Far from His love. Far from His salvation. Matthew 28 says this, and I want to remind us, these are well-worn texts, that if you've been in the church any time, it should be deep inside of your soul. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I will be with you to the end of the age. God will be with us, but there's a mission, it's called people. And they're waiting on the other side of our going. And the book of Acts reminds us and describes this. I love the fact that Paul's journey starts in Rome and it ends in Rome. But he goes on this big journey around, touching um, cities in the east, the north, the south, Cyrene, on the other side of the sea, 
Seleucia in the east. And it's, it's a challenge to our stories that in the midst of pandemic and trial, there is this voice, buckle down, hop, button down the hatches, make yourself safe and come out when the sun's out and life's good and the conditions are better. But the Bible says something different. The Bible says, will your life keep reaching, keep reaching out into the broken spaces of the world? Not how far will you go, but how far will the gospel go through you? I need to remind us of that today. I need to remind myself of that. I want to shrink back many days. I want to. But the gospel won't let us. It won't let you. Oh, Mark, I've only been saved for three weeks. Calm down. I won't calm down. It's the perfect time for you to go with the gospel deep inside your soul. Well, looking back, we, we planted a church this year. What a crazy thing to do. I want to tell you God is already work. We said, before we do anything, we always say, we will do anything just for the one. We've seen the one and we've seen the many and we'll see many, many more in the city of Cape Town. We've been able to partner with that local church as well in endeavors and reaching and serving the city. Why? Well, to reach. The West Coast COVID Fund, I, I, I never woke up one morning going, I want to feed people. That's not, I barely sure will feed my own kids some days. They must feed themselves. Get your own cereal. But God says, love your city. And God says, you'll reach your city when you love your city. So we made calls. We got feedback like, why would the church want to partner with politics? Well, because I don't care as long as people get loved and the gospel reaches people. We've done other crazy things like broadcasting to 46 nations. 46 nations, Arise online events, youth going crazy. If you haven't followed the youth on social media, you need to follow them. They were doing push-ups in the rain while quoting Psalm 23 to a bunch of teenagers. And they came back for their first event on Friday night. And they had to split up into two venues because there were so many kids desperate who've encountered God. And, and why do that? Because we want to have some youth. No, because we want to reach people at a pivotal time because they call to reach people. And why launch tween life for 10 to 12-year-olds? Just to give Josh something to do. No. Well, maybe. But No. No, I want to reach people. Yes, people, 10 to 12-year-olds who will grow up to adults, who will grow up to leaders, who will grow up to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel deep inside of them because some guy named Josh McGaw laid his life down to serve 10 to 12-year-olds and call them to more. This is what we're on about. Life changes recovery. Had the privilege of going there two weeks ago and preaching. See my friend Andrew Gaveda and others around and what God has done and what He will do to the freedoms and joys. And there have been challenges. And there's been pain. But there's been victory after victory. Going forward, what does it look like? Well, Acts puts it this way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. If your dream for your life is the border of Tableview for the rest of your life, I'm telling you it's too small. The dream for your life is, is Cape Town. The, the dreams are too small. I remember meeting a man in England. He was 52 years old. He'd never been out of the county of Kent. Never. We're choosing a high school for my boy at the moment. Well, trying to. They have to choose us too. There's that whole thing. And we're praying. And my heart wants to default to, Lord, what would set him up best for life? Lord, what would be the best environment for him to thrive? 
But then I'm reminded by the gospel and the mandate to reach for, and I'm reminded that his life is for the gospel, that his story is for the gospel, and God will lead and orchestrate and facilitate if we trust him and hold on to him. Everything that that boy needs, why? For the gospel through his life. And it's not about him getting kids saved every day in school. It's about him growing up in the right environments for the story God's got for him to see the gospel advance, whatever he does in life. Will you allow your perspectives, your challenges, one more story. Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of spending a night on top of Cedarburg Mountain, Wolfberg Cracks. Climbed up, got to near the top, found out one of my kids' stomach wasn't so well. Which when you arrive at the top of a mountain is not what you want to find out. Actually, I found it out the whole way up. And um, I decided to run back down the mountain in the dark and run, try find medication from campers down below and lights far down there. And, and eventually I did, and I ran up, and halfway up I realized I was all alone, halfway up a mountain, and I turned off this one little headlight that I have. I thought, what if this thing went now? I turned it off. You know what it was? It was dark. It sounds amazing. When last have you been in darkness without light? Trying to climb a mountain hearing things that sound amplified when the lights go off, trying to navigate past rocks and trials. See, our world are navigating mountains right now without light in darkness. And you are the light of the world. What Jesus inside of you is the light of the world. It's time for the church to shine. I want to remind us. So how are we going to flip the script? We're going to reach far. Last two more things. Raise up. We're going to raise up. Disciple making. Well, what does it look like? Well, it looks like a community on fire that God adds to and breathes life into people. I love it. Acts 2. They devoted themselves. And I was going to read the whole scripture, but you know it so well. We preach it so often. They devoted themselves to the word and to prayer and to his presence and to community and to sacrifice. Why? Because on the other side of all those things, there is a raising up of who God wants to raise up to reach the ends of the earth. I love the stories in the book of Acts. I see, we see Paul, Saul, who becomes Paul. And he writes, book, uh, he's the main character in the book. And he writes book of, uh, of Acts. He's writing letters to the church. He's this guy. But who's the hero behind? There's a guy named Ananias who God says, I need you to go to a guy named Saul who's been persecuting the church and he's famous for it. Okay, God. Good plan. I need you to go. And I, he's been blinded. I need you to place your hands on his eyes and see him healed and call him to the purposes that I've called him because I've called him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. What did Ananias do? So that God could do a miracle and raise up an apostle to the nations. Will we be a church who will put our hands on the persecutors? Put our hands on the broken? See, we said this years ago, and I'm going to remind you, a church without the broken is a broken church. I love the fact I was able to come to recovery, and there's a young man named Anthony there who's just been through a rehabilitation program, and he is thriving, full of life and full of God. And I'm going, thank you, Jesus. Do it again. Do it again, God. Lastly, we see Paul and come into this life, and he writes, and this character comes through and acts. It's this character called Timothy. He's a wimp. He's a little bit weak. He was raised by his mommy and his granny. He, he had a tummy problem. Paul says, but I see something inside of this man. I see something called a mighty apostle to the nations. I see something. He writes, he speaks, he calls him. See, God's going to send us the fearful. 
He's going to send us the Peters, smelly with coarse language, just come off the docks, but they call to preach to thousands and see them saved. He's going to send us the Timothys, weak and broken, without upbringings and families in a nation where fathers were absent. He's going to send us the Sauls who have been the persecutors, the accusers, the challengers, but God's called them to be Pauls, the apostles to the nations. He's going to send us the Ananiases, struggling to follow, weak, but, but needing direction and walking in that journey out. He's going to send them to us. Why? Because we're called to raise up. It's going to look like life groups. It's going to look like care and all those people who've been through the care process needing healing and wholeness. It's going to look like many things. Life changes Bible college. It's going to look like a whole bunch of things. But first and foremost, it's going to look like a heart and your heart and my heart opening up to be the people who will love the broken. Opening our hearts to be the church who isn't trying to be perfect in every way, but we receive the perfection of Jesus. Every single person to flip the script is to raise up. And lastly, to flip the script is to release wide. And I know we're going a little bit longer today, but it's too good. Book of Acts is not a book of, of missionaries on mission. The book of Acts is a picture of a community set on fire by the Spirit of God who just get it. They just get it. They don't know. They don't need to be told what to do every step of the way. They just get it. Will you get it? that God hasn't called you to save, sanitize, secluded Christianity. He's called you to be released for the kingdom of God. He's called, he's called pharmacists to go into pharmacies and preach the gospel. He's called business people to go and do business in the gospel and for the gospel. He's called teachers to rise up and stand. He's called parents to more at this time. Why? Because the gospel is never meant for the four walls of the church. It's meant for the boundaries of our world. And we're reminded of these things. And maybe you've heard this before. Say, Mark, I've heard this all before. Well, do you know that a hundred, I've heard this all before. Well, do 35 million people speak Bengali. They live in Bangladesh and 0% of them have received Christ. Do you know that 120 million people speak Japanese? They are Buddhist in Japan and they haven't received Christ. 1.2%. See, that's why we release and you see pictures of Kate and Tyler in England. I ripped my guts out for Kate and Tyler to go. That's why Rihanna Maria and Emmanuel and Jen and KZN and Oli and Pengying just stepping up to lead worship in this community, going and leading in Matuba Tuba as a dentist right now. Full of the fire of God, full of the Spirit of God, full of faith, full of courage. You give and I'll give and you can never outgive me. That's why business people, that's why Vox Youth is important. That's why young people growing and stuff. That's why our time, will we trust God in giving it away? Our talents, will we trust God in giving it away? Our treasures, will we trust God? The God who outgives us every time. And maybe the number of 1.1 million given away scares you and overwhelms you. I don't know, maybe it underwhelms you. But from the finest of this church, being able to give away 600,000 rand in the last year and then partnering the West Coast COVID Fund, who I know life changes, jumped in lock, stock and barrel to make sure that the people of our city were fed. Why? Because you are people who understand and know that our God is faithful. And on the other side of every seed sown, there is a harvest waiting. God reminds us this every time. So flip the script. Your marriage, start there. Your life, your vision, your story, your business, start there. And as we navigate all these things, there's so many things I want to say. But I want to announce and just bring an announcement to you this morning, which is so exciting for the life of our church. But part of one of the ways God does it, we see in Acts chapter 7 and many other times, is God raises and releases leaders. And God is doing that in our midst. 
And to give you a very, very short picture of what it is God leads in the book of Acts, read it. You'll find these guys called deacons and elders. Weird names. No one walks around, good morning, deacon, Mark. Elder Mark, we don't do that. Maybe you've seen that. We don't do that. But God still gives gifts to the local church to see the forward advancement of the gospel. And so it was great joy this morning. I get to welcome two amazing couples into the eldership team of this church. Beautiful people. People who work hard in the daytime but get up early to pray already, to spend time in the world, to seek, to pour out. People have sacrificed and, and people who have poured out. I want to welcome up, where are the amazing Ferreras? Amy and Scott Ferreira. And Impele and Monica, won't you come up? The dancing shoes are already on stage. Bring your weapon of choice there, buddy. I watched Impele singing you're a good, good father into the microphone that only these, the band can hear. He sang the whole chorus. But these are amazing, amazing gifts to the life of this church. And uh, come forward, guys. What you realize, we don't hang back. Unplug that thing, buddy. But uh, I realize we've gone a little long today. But these are special moments. When God gives gifts to the local church, He gives it for the forward advancement of the mission. Not so we look better. Not so that, cool, Mark can do less now because he's got more. No, it's not that. Well, it's a little bit that. And no, so the mission of God advances. So I ask you, church, this morning, wherever you sit, that you would open up your hearts wide to God receiving and to God giving and our hearts receiving leaders in our life. Some amazing couple have served in Milton. If you haven't seen them, they've been in Milton every week for the last couple of years serving. They have two amazing kids, Zach and Christopher. Um, he's the head of innovation at Sea Harvest. So if your fish are looking good these days, Amy is a teacher, but, but more than that, they are prayers. More than that, they are people who love people passionately and prepared to sacrifice. This amazing couple, you've seen him dancing around. And Monica, they're, they're just the most profound couple who just love degrees and studying and a whole bunch of other things. They just got more degrees than I know how to pronounce right now. But, and then they also have a beautiful little girl named Nake who is just spectacular. And they've served and loved. And I know God has called these amazing couples to serve at this time. So we're going to hear lots from them in the future. We're going to have a moment where we welcome and pray for them, lay hands on them. But we're not going to do that now. We just wanted to bring that to your attention and celebrate what God is doing. He's adding. Is that good? <laughs> Wonderful. We love you guys. We're proud. I was going to get to speak, but we'll get a lot of opportunity. Can we stand together this morning? God has been incredibly kind to us. Impele, get back on the vase there. God has been incredibly kind to us. This year has caused us to be on our knees. Or maybe reminded us we should always be on our knees. This year has caused us sometimes to jump into the Word and go looking for those Scriptures that raise our hearts or maybe reminded us that that's where we should live every day of our lives yeah. and never move from that place. Yeah. This year has caused us to make decisions around finances and decisions to be generous. Where in previous years, maybe it was easy for you. Maybe this year was hard. And now God says, I want you to. Why? Because on the other side of every seed sown, there are lives, there are stories, there are freedoms, there are nations waiting. And my kids and your kids, they must go. Breaks my heart to say it. They've got to go for the gospel. But so do I. In my time. Why? Because Jesus is glorious. Mm. He's the light of the world and He's the only one who can light up a mountain 
when there's no other light around. When fear's at the door and anxiety is cracking at the door and you're bumping your knees on every rock that's in the way and the thorns are breaking into your hands and you don't know how far it is the top and you can't see the bottom, can you close your eyes for a second? Jesus is asking Life Changes Church, will you keep reaching far? Will you keep raising up? Will you keep releasing wide? Jesus is asking your heart, will you keep reaching far? The church without the broken is a broken church. Will you keep allowing broken people into your world so that what you have received you can give away so that I can give you more so the kingdom of God advances? Will you keep raising up? Oh God, I've had people in my house year after year. Now will you keep laying your hands on the persecutors, those in pain, those blinded, to see light come, to see freedom come? Will you release wide? Will you keep giving your time, your talents, your treasures, and trusting God to outgive you every time? Why? Because our King is glorious. Our King is magnificent. Our King is spectacular. Our King deserves our praise, our honor. He is splendor. He is majestic in all His ways. He is powerful and mighty to heal. His arm is never too short. So we worship our God this morning.